Transgression, but it's the transgressing. 
want to think of this thing that they say is trespassing where God has told us not to go. The word trespass is there. And it refers to the moral lapses in judgment that we all make. In Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1, Paul uses this word to tell the church in Ephesus that we were all once dead in our trespasses and sins. Before we became Christians, we were all dead in our moral failings. Our trespasses are what holds spiritually dead sinners in God's sin. So, so these are the four kinds of sin that we see. Now there's more beyond this, but even four of the main ones. We saw the term sin, we have the term unrighteousness, transgression, and trespass. Now each of these four, we see all of them described as sin, and all of them are deadly sins. You see, for the unbeliever, sin is what separates them from God. That's why they cannot go to God. It's their innate wickedness, their unrighteousness, their transgressing of God's law, their moral trespassing before the Lord. It's this that separates them from God. And as we've seen again, the label or the consequence that we earn for our sin is eternal death. That's Romans 6.23. So the consequence of all of our rebellion against God, this standard, is eternal death. In the Old Testament, in, in the book of Psalms, David wrote in this, that God is a God who does not take pleasure in any wickedness. He says, no evil will dwell with God. No evil can dwell with God. And even says, God hates all those who do iniquity. That's Psalm 5, verses 4 and 5. So you see this idea of sin, this rebellion against God, whether we call it unrighteousness or wickedness or transgression or trespass, or just use the term sin, it's really the greatest existential problem facing mankind today. Uh, this is the problem of sin, and it's really an epidemic. Sin, we might say, has infected all of us, all of humanity. This moral disease has infected 100% of the population, and we're all sinners. We all have it, and to pretend that somehow we're free from this moral corruption would be to deny the clear teaching of God's Word. For example, uh, look with me at Romans chapter 3. We're going to look at Romans 3, verse 10. Look what it says about mankind. Look at the Apostle Paul writes. He says, As it is written, there is none righteous, not even one. There's no one who understands. There's none who seeks for God. They've all turned aside. Together they've become useless. There's none who does good, not even one. Poisoned grass or vipers or underbrush. Yes. This is a description of mankind in general. And apart from Christ, this is true of each one of us. And, and we should put ourselves into these verses and say, this is true of us. This describes our natural condition. It might offend us, but this is true. So the greatest problem facing every human on the planet is that the wages of sin is death. Eternal death, not eternal life. You and 
delivered over. He has handed over for our transgressions. I love that your Bible might translate this verse slightly differently. It actually says he was delivered up for our trespasses. He who has delivered over on the account of our transgressions. That it was because of or on account of our sins that Jesus was delivered up.
It suggests a specific design in Christ's death, a specific intention, maybe a specific plan. He was delivered over for our sins. Of course, we know that God's plan for, for humanity from the beginning always involved the cross. Uh, the, the cross was no later invention in the mind of God. It was from the beginning that he planned the cross and delivered over his sins. And the Apostle Peter recognized this in his Pentecost Day sermon to the Jews. He said this in Acts chapter 2. He says, Men of Israel, listen to these words. Jesus the, Nar- uh, the Nazarene, a man attested to you by God with miracles and wonders and signs which God performed through him in your midst, just as you yourselves know. This man, delivered over by the predetermined plan and foreknowledge of God, you nailed to a cross by the hands of godless men and put him to death. This was the predetermined plan of God. This was rooted in the foreknowledge of God from before the foundation of the world, before God created anything, he had a plan to redeem sinful mankind by delivering up his son. We love this truth. We affirm this truth. This is the heart heart of the gospel. On the cross, Jesus took our sins. And this is 2 Corinthians 5.21. It says, He made him who knew no sin, God the Father made Jesus who was perfect, who knew no sin, to be sin for us, so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. So God the Father made God the Son to be sin for us. Our sins were in imputed to Christ on the cross, and as Christ hung and died, he suffered the penalty of our sins, of our trespasses. Someone needed to die. Someone needed to pay the the wages of sin, and the absolute perfect substitute was Jesus Christ. It was the sinless Son of God, fully man and fully God, the only one who could have paid such a sin debt on our behalf. It was this God, the Son, who became the eternal substitute for sinners like you and me. And as Christians, we rejoice in this. We love this truth. We celebrate this truth. That's only half of the gospel. Sometimes we talk as if the death of Christ and the crucifixion, as if the story ends there. The tendency tendency can be to focus upon Christ's death and maybe forget the resurrection. But Christ's death and his resurrection are inseparably bound. A resurrection without a death would be meaningless. And a death without a resurrection would be hopeless. In our sinful condition, we desperately need a Messiah, a substitute who will die for us and also be raised for us. This is the second half of verse 25. That's what this explains. Look at the verse again with me. He who was delivered over because of our transgress because of our transgression and was raised because of our justification. Now, justification is another one of those words that we regularly use as Christians. The Bible regularly uses it, and it can use some explaining justification. It's used in different ways in the Bible, but primarily in the topic of salvation, this term refers to a legal declaration of righteousness. It's when God declares someone to be right with him, to be righteous, which of course 
Thank you. 